When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and, yes, author of All the Boston Celtics. All of the Boston Celtics is still available for download at clnsradio.com slash LHRbook. Welcome into another edition of the number one podcast online dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online, and because of your listenership and Audible support of this show, then go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics for a free 30-day trial. Today's episode is also being brought to you by Casper. Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Today is Sunday, January 10th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Today's guest's got some good ones for you. We will talk to Brian Scalabrini, broadcaster for Comcast Sportsnet New England, and of course, former Celtic. That is our featured segment, and with today's game against the Memphis Grizzlies, we will do a pregame show with the general manager of said Memphis Grizzlies, Chris Wallace. I am sure Chris is going to tell us exactly how the Celtics can exploit certain weak points the Grizzlies may have. And we can then forward this broadcast right along to Brad Stevenson. Time for tonight's game. I'm sure that's exactly how that's going to work. Celtics could sure use it. Goodness gracious. Last time I was here, talked about going on a long winning streak. Got some dregs of the league coming up. Wow. Holy sh... Well, I guess we cannot say that word here. Going to have time here to really ask what in the blue hell is going on. I certainly will talk to Scal about that. But how dare I of literal manners? We gotta do shout outs. Like to thank John Duke and Justin Poole, and I do hope our audience enjoyed last week's Celtic Stuff Live Reunion show. If you'd like to check that out, if you haven't already, along with the entire library of our other shows, they are in the archives on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Give Celtics Beat a subscribe so you do not miss a show. Let's bang out some business here. Some people have been hounding me now. The Pacers tickets, the Pacers tickets, the Pacers tickets. 
You know we're giving away a boatload of games courtesy of Celtics Beat and Tick IQ for a list of games. Head on over to Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat and see how you can enter yourself into these raffles. I know we've got the Clippers. We've got the Blazers in March. There's a lot. I know we're doing at least eight games. So if you want to see how you can score some seats to a Celtics home game in 2016, again, Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat for the details. So the Pacers tickets, the winner drawn out of a list of followers of the at CLNS underscore Twitter account. Hmm, at CLNS underscore LHR. Sounds familiar. Familiar. Oh, geez, that's my Twitter. What a coincidence. The winner at Jeffrey2994 or Geoffrey. I think it's Jeffrey. Anyway, there is your winner at Jeffrey2994. Please tweet at CLNS underscore LHR so we can take care of you and enjoy Wednesday's game. This is the 139th edition of Celtics Beat being brought to you by Audible and Casper. Avoided this as long as I could. You know, the talking about the Celtics on Celtics Beat part. Did some shout-outs, contests, little business, but now I got to get into this. Now, vague question of the week. Is it time to hit the panic button? No. No. Because what the hell would we be panicking about anyways? First off, we all know this franchise is still in a good standing long-term. That has not changed over the past two weeks. And even if everything went right this year, the gains or losses most likely are not significant enough no matter which way the seesaw goes. And right now, said seesaw is near flat on the ground. Panic button? No. God, no. This team could lose every game the rest of the year. I want to see them win and further advance this franchise in the eyes of those outside this team. But still, as we all know, so much virtually the entire perception of this organization could be altered no matter how successful or unsuccessful the Celtics are this year. It's with that Nets pick. So, I mean, I want to see improvement as well. I would love to see further advancement along for the franchise. But it's not as severe as a team built to win a championship that hasn't won a championship and their window is rapidly shutting, i.e. the team the Celtics play later tonight, Memphis Grizzlies. So I will be very interested to hear what our guest, Grizzlies general manager Chris Wallace, has to say later on coming up. Back to the Celtics, the media, their fans. Again, panic button, no. Right to be pretty damn pissed off. Hell freaking yes. I know I am ticked. I'm really ticked. I can tell you right now, I'm pretty charged up. So here's a disclaimer. I think I can safely say in advance, this is going to be an emotionally charged show. I'm very revved up. And the Celtics poor play over the past two weeks is not the primary reason for that. I'm sure you're going to find out a little later in the show. But it certainly has not helped. They have contributed to me being pretty ticked. I think You, as a fan, yes, definitely, you have the right to be frustrated at where the team is at right now. 19 and 17, outside looking in, and more importantly, the hows and the whys of this team. That's really what's most important. And, uh, you know, I actually got a, you should be proud of yourself, LHR, in the Facebook group. Everything you talk about that can turn this season on its head in those August and September months on this broadcast is coming true. I'm not glad. Actually, if you want to know, I'm actually, I'm bored. I am bored with this team and bored with this season. January doldrums, possibly. But for me, it has to do with the fact that outside of individual improvement from Avery Bradley, there has not been any improvement up and down this roster, both from an individual or a team standpoint. Seems like every guy is the exact same thing. And anyways, I'll get into that with Scal when he's on here as our featured guest in a few minutes here. But back to what was initially posed to me in the Facebook group, I know there are some people who take pleasure in being vindicated in their predictions, but I am not one of those. I have an emotional investment in the well-being of the Celtics. That's why I do this show every week, so it doesn't matter one iota to me if 
I quote unquote called that one. I mean, what do I get a cookie? Well, I wouldn't want one anyways. I'd rather have a steak. So you can keep your cookie. But I'll ask the audience, to those who haven't contributed to our discussion in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat, pretty much point blank. What is the biggest issue hindering the Celtics right now? Whatever you want, fire away. I hearken back to those dog days of August. Remember those, how we are not yearning for that. When I was fretting over a congested rotation along the front line, lamenting what I felt was a pointless acquisition of David Lee, in which a worst-case scenario that could play out could be detrimental to the chemistry of the team. Going on nutrition diatribes regarding Jared Sollinger and his perceived weight loss, which I felt was a mirage because he was getting awful advice from the people around him. Cough, cough, John Lucas, and how that would not last into the season. Has all of that come to fruition? Yes. It's what we're talking about right now. The Celtics, even when they were winning— Got through that Christmas stretch, and you had our friend Chris Forsberg pen pieces for ESPN Boston, up charts, how the Celtics uh, were favored to win 28 of their next 32. Uh, but uh, obviously, no. But even when they were winning, I was still scratching my head like, Jesus, how are they doing this without any semblance of a rotation whatsoever? Part of that, as I discussed on the show over the summer, was Danny's fault. He did not do a good job assembling a front court any coach could manage. Jared Sollinger, again, I don't want to get into him. Sollinger, it's easy to sit on the sidelines and point fingers and tell him to get into shape. But Celtics, he is your investment. You get him in shape. You don't let him hire a former drug head and have that guy be his guiding light towards peak physical fitness. A lot of blame there, and the personnel decisions itself. The front court was a cast of way too many mediocre players who do not separate themselves from their peers, all while not bringing that much to the table individually. There are some guys that can do nice things, but it's just not significant enough. But it's not the front court where there's quote-unquote no semblance. It's the back court. Well, That hasn't sorted itself out either because none of these guys has been consistently healthy. Seems like they're always dealing with an injury to their little three-headed monster. So my advice to particularly Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart, guys, if you're listening here, my advice to you, stop getting hurt. Okay, you got it? Thank you. I appreciate that. But Okay, but once again, take a step breath. Okay, deep breath. Step back. I can't help but think how interesting to note not just the emotions that I have, and you can see I'm a little charged up here, and I confess that what I've been saying over the past few minutes is very emotionally based, which I am sure anyone in the media tries to stray from, but the pulse of Celtics Nation, yeah, pretty darn negative over the past two weeks, starting with that Lakers loss in Boston. And why is this interesting to note? Yes, when you do step back and look at it, Geez, what are they? 19 and 17 here? Yes, 19 and 17, 19 and 17 with what is still a, well, definitely a mediocre roster. Pretty messy roster, as I just vented about back there over the last few minutes. And if you do recall, one of the things I also talked about this over the summer about fan expectations. Obviously, my fan expectations are a little higher, even though I did predict something like 43 wins. But just 
they are going to be higher. And 500 at this time last year, yay. But that's already been done before. Fans, if they don't see any semblance of improvement, staying the same, let alone regressing, is seen as a disappointment. And that positive vibe will not be easily attainable as it was, say, it was last year, where going 500 was unbelievable. So I, I guess there's that. Mediocre talent on the roster, still technically overachieving, particularly with all these issues. Worse scenarios are playing out across the board with no development as a team, or minimal development, I think, individually and as a team. But kind of, it, for me, it's making the season a little boring as of now. So there's something like, wow, I want to save that for Scal. We will go further into detail with that. So, I mean, let's bring him on right here. Brian Scalabrini, obviously former Boston Celtic, member of the 2008 World Championship team, now a broadcaster at Comcast Sports Net New England. Our interview with Brian is brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It is a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper truly understands and puts a premium on what is the best for the consumer. They know the importance of truly trying out a mattress, something in which you spend a third of your life on. Therefore, Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you do not have to lie down in a showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress. And to save an additional $50 as one of our audience members, simply go to casper.com slash Celtics and enter the promo code Celtics. That's casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Terms and conditions apply. Brian, we ask the tough questions here on Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. This is not a simple talk show. So I am going to put you on the spot right away. How's life been like transitioning into becoming a, a broadcaster for Comcast Sportsnet in New England? How is that a tough question? That's an easy question. Life has been good. I mean, I was being facetious. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, it's been good. You know, I've been working with some of the best. You know, Tommy Heinsohn has taught me so much. You know, I've really grown to appreciate him dealing with him on a day-to-day basis. You know, like last season, I did mostly road games. I've only did a couple home games. So I didn't get to see Tommy, but now every home game I get to sit down and, and talk to him about how the team is going. And you know, and he's been around the game for so long. He's been around the Celtics for so long. So he, he teaches me a ton. So that's been good. Mike Gorman, working with him, you know, uh, his, uh, his he's so honest with me and telling me how I need to improve. And then our producer, Paul Lucy, has just been – both of these guys have been great in, in just guiding me along the way and uh, – you know, there is an obligation to the, the fans of Boston to, you know, entertain them when they turn on the TV because it's not only just about teaching them the X's and O's, it's also about making them laugh after a hard day's work. So, so far, I've been absolutely loving hanging out with those guys and learning the ropes, and uh, I, I, I just really enjoy it. Give me a little inside information as opposed to how Tommy feels if he's watched the team lose four of the last five games recently, particularly to two some of the dregs of the league and the Nets and the Lakers and that little stretch there. Yeah, so like he would uh, he would want to know more about you know the different pick and roll coverages that teams are using, and you know he would want to know more about like players who you know like a, like a Tyler Zeller, a guy who runs the floor every single possession. You know why is a guy like him not playing? So he he brings in his opinions. You know, he's not – when people listen to Tommy, 
they think that he just rants and raves about the officials. But if you really listen, that's where he's going crazy, and people remember that, or he calls, calls LeBron a crybaby, and people will remember that. But you listen to what he has to say. He actually brings in a, a lot of knowledge of the game of basketball, and a lot of, a lot of things that people are doing now he did in 1960 as a coach. So it's, uh, it's something that you kind of get used to. And, and he's had, a, like I said, he has a great knowledge for the game. And he's not totally upset because he understands the process and the process of the Celtics right now is with players, you know, with a lot of, I would say they're, you know, average to above average. And we have some pretty good players on the team, but not NBA Hall of Famers yet. With guys like that, you're going to have some up and down nights. It's just the way it goes. And uh, I'm sure he was a little disappointed in the Laker loss and the Brooklyn loss. But, you know, those things happen. That's sort of a good transition here. That's sort of been pretty much the discourse of debate regarding the Celtics. When I was doing shows in August, I was very worried about the, you know, I don't want to say the slew of mediocre players on the roster, but how the roster did seem a little congested. And now that the team has lost four of the past five games, that's sort of been the take. The Celtics don't have a, a rotation, and it seems like every time there's a bad loss, even going back to Jay Crowder after the Orlando game, uh, what was it, end of November or whatnot, sure enough, he'd say, oh, geez, you know, we need a rotation. How do you sort of come down on that? It's just, is that sort of what's really hindering the Celtics so far this year? Is it the fact that pretty much up and down the roster, there's really been no rotation because of the guards, because none of the guards have really been all healthy all at once? I would say the front court's been a little bit of a disappointment. Is that what you think is really hindering the team so far this year? No, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's really – if you think about when people complain about rotations, when, when Jay Crowder said that against Orlando, Marcus Smart just got hurt, and now Avery Bradley's out. So to have consistent rotation in an NBA season, you would yeah, everyone wants consistent rotation. But at the end of the day, guys get injured. And I think the rotation for the backcourt has been pretty solid. It's the front court that's really hard to go with because – you know, one night you might need a Kelly Olynyk who can stretch the floor and open the floor up for Isaiah Thomas. Another night you might need a Jared Solinger, a guy that can that can defend and rebound his position and can really own the paint. So, would, you know, ideally you would have, you know, a guy like Kelly Olynyk who can stretch the floor, knock down shots, and also be able to rebound and defend his position. But, you know, like the general makeup of – of a team that's built like this, which is a guy, a bunch of depth and, you know, a lot of different types of players is you're going to have different guys depending on the game. If we had, like I said, like my whole, my whole thing would be, I would love one day for Kelly Olenek to be that guy. I think that what he provides in today's day and age with the guy who can stretch the floor out and, but he needs to be able to rebound at a high level. And some nights he does and other nights he doesn't. And maybe that's a, a simple thing about going against guys with, you know, Big, like a lot of size, and that bothers him. So you have to have a guy for that. So it's hard to say. It's not like you have Kevin Garnett out there who can knock down shots, defend, and rebound his position every single night, and he's probably better than the next guy. It's, it's not like that. And, and every game we play, I would, I would even say, like, if you look at last season, Jay Crowder played a lot at the four, and our best lineups were with Jay Crowder at the four. And just because of our front court and the disappointing, as you say, they've been disappointing, but only because – you know, every night it's not the same for these guys. I, I would say Jay Crowder should also be playing four for us sometimes, but it doesn't work like that because of, because of the amount of players that we do have in that front court. So I think Brad has done – as a coach, I would have never wanted those problems. I, w- I want eight guys and then, you know, a couple guys at the end where you can fill in. But Brad has, you know, 12, 13 legitimate basketball players that he has to fit into a rotation, and that's not easy to do. 
By the way, before I get back to the point, I think you're really fitting in nicely here in Boston already, referring to the Celtics as us and we and our. But that was really what I was fretting about over the summer was the fact that not because you can have all these guys, and you mentioned sort of that 2008 Celtics team. I mean, remember that 08 Celtics team that you were on really did not have a true rotation. You had Sam Cassell playing like 25 minutes one game in the finals, and then he doesn't even play the clincher against the Lakers, and the doctor won an ice-cold Tony Allen of the game in Game 5. But I just think it's more of an issue in the sense that when you're trying to build sort of the positive culture that we always hear very uh, sort of simple and bland term, that you have 12 to 13 guys, but none of them because they can really separate themselves from that next guy each and every guy on the team thinks that they should be playing 25 to 35 minutes a night. And while that can be good for, quote-unquote, competition, and that will drive players individually to get better, it just looks like when especially if those players aren't getting better individually outside of Avery Bradley, it just looks like it's sort of becoming an issue for chemistry issues, chemistry concerns, when you're considering that's sort of what the Celtics have seemingly put such a premium on when they're rebuilding here. Well, I, I, I will say that the improvement of Jay Crowder as well as Avery Bradley, and I also would say if Marcus Smart was to – was, was, if he didn't get injured, then we would see the emergence of Marcus that Smart. That would also be an improvement uh, in itself with him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, him being on the floor, yes. I, that's like is going to be the biggest thing for him, just, just being and staying improved. But listen, I think our backcourt has been fantastic this season. With, like taking away, if Marcus Smart never got hurt, you would have a legitimate rotation with them. And you can't, I mean, Jay Crowder right now is top 10 at his position at small forward. I mean, he's up there with guys like, the, you can compare him to, he's more efficient than Carmelo. He's up there with LeBron and, and KD. He's not those type of players, but when you look at efficiency and what he does, I mean, he plays defense, he knocks down three. So I'm really, I'm, I've been really happy with the top three guys. And you, know, you got guys like R.J. Hunter and, and James Young. Those guys are on the outside looking in. And Brad throws them a bone once in a while because these guys are working too and they, need, they want to get an opportunity. The whole thing to me comes down back to that front court and, and, and establishing a, you know, a front court rotation, which going back to that 208 Celtic team, there is no Kevin Garnett on this team. Everyone is good. And the other night, Zach checks in the game against Brooklyn, does a fantastic job against Lopez, and the other guys struggled against him. So we, it's just you have to find, like, with our front court players, you've got to find the right combination unless some separation happens. Yeah, I heard Danny Ainge mention that, obviously, on Toucher and Rich. I actually, I actually could not help but laugh. Obviously, listeners can watch that show on Comcast Sports that New England at 6 o'clock every weekday morning. But that comment that he made about how the Celtics are trying to uh, make a trade that sort of consolidates the roster a little bit. Quantity for quality, I couldn't help actually but think of those old trades when I was growing up when everybody wanted my Chipper Jones rookie card and they were all throwing me all this like, you know, oh, I'll give you uh, the 1999 Toronto Blue Jays. Obviously, that's <laughs> that's sort of like a thing in itself. Like, I, I know, Danny, I think everybody wants to trade this guy, that guy, and this guy for this amazing player. But yeah, Everyone acts like it's, an epi- like it's an epiphany for Danny to, to say this. Danny has been on this for from the beginning of time. I need to trade in as many good good to, I would say above average NBA players. All these guys are above average NBA players for one superstar. And, and but it's I'm gonna tell you, right now it's getting harder and harder to find Very, very hard. Yeah, disgruntled superstars. If you look back because first of all, I mean people have to understand this. Basketball rev uh, BRI, basically the split between the owners and players, it was at fifty seven percent to the owners forty three. Now it's at 50-50. Now, you, 
that's a huge difference when you're talking about the amount of money that the owners are making compared to what they did back in the day. So the owner ha- and then another thing is the long contract. So if an owner is like, okay, well, I'm breaking even right now. I got this superstar, and he's not filling the seats, and I owe him for the next four years or five years because of the, the longer contracts. That's when you'll get an owner to say, okay, well, let's try to rebuild, take a couple draft picks, and we'll get a couple good players. Nowadays, contracts are four or five years. BRI split 50-50. So there's, not, there's a big difference between how it used to be and how it is now. With the TV money coming in, guys are not letting James, like Oklahoma City, because of the amount of money that they would get from the national TV deal, not, the, not their local deal, they would never let James Harden walk. It's just the way it is now. Like, the, the, the financial system is different. So people think it's going to be the same as it was in the past. It's not the same. I know you always sort of have. I mean, I remember when I was talking about the draft picks and obviously the urgency of the Brooklyn draft picks with Jeff Goodman, and he would say, wait a minute, you would not trade the Brooklyn draft pick for, let's say, someone like an Andre Drummond came on the market. And I go, Jeff, I think that's sort of the point. Someone like an Andre Drummond, there's like 0% chance. There's really no one on the horizon whatsoever that's out there that can be acquired. And I actually think that it's going, I agree, I think it's going to get worse with all the new television money. Because a lot of times these owners in these small markets, say like a Chris Paul in New Orleans or whatever, these teams are now breaking even because they're sharing all this money and whatnot. So teams like the Lakers, they can't poach players from smaller markets. And actually, that's sort of been my theory. I and mean, this is actually sort of totally drifting. But you look at, say, up and down the Eastern Conference and even a little bit in the West, everybody thinks that they're good and they're heading in the right direction and they're all, everyone's 500. And the league has sort of gotten that parity that they wanted in that last CBA deal, particularly the Charlottes, particularly all those teams that that tried to cancel or actually did cancel the Chris Paul trade. And it seems like the league has achieved that. And but because they have, it's going to make trading for very good players or younger players that we all think that could be very good players because teams are now going to be gripping them infinitely more tighter than they were, say, six, seven to ten years ago. I mean, just look at, I mean, everyone's going to use the Warriors for an example, but the Warriors, first of all, they got a phenomenal deal in Steph Curry, but Clay Thompson. Is oh, close. all those guys were late lottery yeah. or second round picks? Yeah, so Draymond Green, uh, he's a max player. Um, you'll have Ingudala making, making 12, Bogan making 12, Curry's going to make 30, Harrison Barnes going to make 17. So. We're, like I understand if everyone's saying you used to be able to have two max players on your team, and if you went for that third, you had to squeeze financially. It's not the same anymore. You can do so much more this year because of the, the TV money. And like you said, there's no advantage to being the Lakers or the Celtics or the Miami. And there is an advantage to be Miami because of weather and, and taxes, whatever. But let's just not get into and that. So, but it all comes down to, once again, if you're not going to be able to poach a player, you know, with picks, then you got to draft right. You got to pick the right guys, and you got to develop through the draft. It's the easiest and best and lowest risk way to develop your team. If you think about it, if you if you botch a number one pick, let's just say that does happen, it does it, it hurts you because you botched a number one pick, but it doesn't hurt you financially at all. A number one pick makes around four million dollars. That's not you're taking such a low risk for that pick. Now it would be different. If the the rookies came in and you had to negotiate a contract how it used to be, like Big Dog Robinson wanted a hundred million dollars right from the from the jump, you it's a lot a little bit different when you negotiate the deal beforehand. But now 
all these rookies are slotted. It's all about getting these picks. And if you have these chances, like what we have right now, we own Brooklyn for the next four years. That's it. That's that's absolutely insane when you look at Brooklyn and where they're at and where they're going. I feel really, really good about those. And I think having Brad Stevens develop these guys and putting them into organization, which the Celtics are a great organization, that's the, that's going to be the best way to move forward and get better. That's a good way to finish on that. I want to ask like a fun question, but there's really no better person to ask than you because you're the broadcaster for the man, Comcast Sportsnet, the television home for the Boston Celtics basketball. So I figure I already know what your stance is. So I'm going to make the assumption that you can prematurely argue from the other side. I said this in the opening, with the lack of improvement from individuals this year, once again, say Sans Avery Bradley, and I guess you can say Jay Crowder, but that's pretty much it. And But lack of improvement from much of the players on the team. And from how the team really gets away, in my eyes, from playing the right kind of basketball at the end of games and in tense situations, that for me, and this could be just debauchery me saying this, that for me has translated into me being at times bored with the team this year. So win me over here. Tell me why I should not. I should be a little more spiced up uh, when I think about stuff like that. Well, it's, it's interesting. This, this season has gone, but we've had a lot of ups and downs. If you think about, remember at the beginning of the season, those first quarters, they were awful, and we can score 19 points in the first quarter. Now we're getting off to good starts in the first quarter, and we're struggling down the stretch. I would say this. I, I think people are undervaluing the impact that Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart have on a basketball game. I think when you watch a game now, and, and, and we really haven't been that healthy with both those guys in. And, and what you want to see when you turn on a game, right? You want to see, you want to see, really, you want to see Isaiah Thomas cracking the defense and making plays. But you want to see guys bring it in on the defensive end. And. You don't want to see Reggie Jackson going off in the fourth quarter. You want to see, you know, or Jared Jack going off, or you know, like in in the past, Jared Jack had a big time fourth quarter. And I think when you get that, when you get that from the defensive side, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley locking guys up, and then you have Jay Crowder on the wing. Once you start seeing that, that's the team that you're going to really like to watch. And then offensively, you won't have to rely so heavily on Isaiah Thomas because you'll have a mix-up of Avery Bradley here or Marcus Smart there. But you have to get healthy, and you got to, and, that, and that backcourt has to be healthy. Go around the NBA right now and watch down the stretch of games. They're putting the ball in the point guard's hand. That point guard's making plays. We do the same thing, but it's nice to have a second option, like a, like a Bradley or a Smart. And I think once you start seeing that, I think once we're healthy, then we'll, you'll really like the team. I will say this. Besides Cleveland, who I think is – pretty much in a different stratosphere. Maybe the Bulls are starting to get to that level. I, I feel confident that we'll beat any team in the first round in in, uh, in the Eastern Conference besides the Cavs. I, I would feel like with everyone healthy and Brad Stevens, I would feel really confident that we'd win that first round series. That, that's a bold, that's a bold state, and I do. That should be almost by the perfect way to finish you off here on that. But I do have to ask one more final question because once again, going back to sort of what I asked at the beginning of what was sort of really the pulse of the Celtics fans. A lot of things. This will be the final question. A lot of that was on Celtics and the media's mind as was the team was starting to struggle was why the team was losing to bad teams, particularly a lot of home games as well. Do you really sort of have any opinion on that? I know I have mine, but it's obviously your segment. So, well, the, uh, I mean, I don't understand why we lost to the Lakers, but I can understand why we lost to Brooklyn. If you think about it, is Brooke Lopez better than all of our front court players? He probably is. So, 
he had a tremendous game. He had 30 and 13. He made a, a lot of shots. And when you're up, when you get up and you're struggling and you're having, you're having a hard time scoring, those big men that when you have a 10-point lead, it's hard to come back from when they can control pace with a big. So now the Celtics are in trying to, trying to double-team him and give wide-open shots. So I get the Brooklyn one. I, I Believe me, I wanted to win that. But the Laker one, I, 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 I can go down. I would have put a million dollars that we would have beat the Lakers. I had, that team, to me, was a bad team. That team doesn't have any discipline on offense or defense. That one, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, just like a lot of people out there, I don't understand that. But the Brooklyn game, you know, those guys had good games. You know, Joe Johnson played good. Brooke Lo, uh, Lopez played good. Thaddeus Young played good. And those guys are – on our team, I don't know if I would take Joe Johnson now, but I think that we would take Thaddeus Young and Brooke Lopez. So they had, you know, better players than us that night. Their guards were awful, and I, don't, I couldn't understand why we couldn't just completely dominate their guards. But Lopez did an excellent job. Yeah, I've just sort of been just really more so concerned, not in the fact that they lose to bad teams. A lot of people say when you, when you lose to a bad team at home, particularly at home, they say, oh, you just need to come in more focused. I think it's safe to say, especially as for you who played in the NBA as long as you did, you're not going to be able to bring it every single night in the NBA. I'm more so just concerned with the fact that I think that this team really seems to struggle in the sense that in adverse situations, they don't. I don't think they respond too well. I know it's a young team, but it's also been at least nearly now a full calendar year when they really turn things around in a Brad Stevens. There's still, I hate using cliche phrases. I save that for sort of the corporate suits in the media. No, no offense, sorry, because not you, not you. But, I, but this team really doesn't seem to, quote unquote, dig deep or really win games ugly. If things go well, they can sort of cruise on in, but they don't really, like, win an ugly game. They play like crap for three and a half quarters, but they're at home. They can ride a crowd for a little bit, go on a run, and then just that's all they need. And, you know, they'll win like a few games, but I don't know. But how much how much different is this team than last year's team? And last year's team grinded themselves out a lot of wins late in the year. From February on, they found they, they could be down 15. They could find a way to come back and win the game. So I, I understand. I, I there is actually a lot of stats that 100% back what you're saying. Do you know that we haven't won a game this season in which we didn't have a 10-point lead? That's that's almost like hard to even imagine that we haven't won a game in which we weren't that's up 10, which is exactly uh, backs what you're saying. But last season we came back from 13 all the time and got to the end, and, and you know this team this team keeps fighting. So. I think a lot of it, it could be injuries, and they just they got to find out their rotation. I think Brad is starting to, you know, I like Kelly Olynyk in the starting lineup. I think he does a lot of good things, but you know, you got to find you got to find that right combination, and it's it's not so clear cut as other teams out there because we don't have those Hall of Fame players. Good way to finish out on that, Brian Scalabrini, Comcast Sports Net, New England. Brian, hope you enjoyed your maiden voyage here on Celtics Beat. All right, anytime, I guess. I am sure. We will be following up on that. Brian, that was great. That was great, great analysis there. I, I love that. First, I have heard of that one. But thanks to Brian for pointing that out. The 2016 Boston Celtics. Of all the problems they have had, you know, they need to do a better job beating the bad teams and focus more. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have yet to win a game where they have not had a 10-point lead. That is is really amazing to me. And I think that makes this stick out more than it ever possibly could going forward. We'll now be keeping a keen eye on that. See if the Celtics can win a game, a seesaw battle. But I had been wondering all year, and I made a quick snipe about 
media suits providing token analysis and cliche catchphrases. Yet it was me in the interview who wondered why the Celtics, quote-unquote, can't dig deep. I do lament the fact that I have yet to see the team really win a game where they won with their C game or something like that this year. It's very easy to say, oh, bring it every night because you aren't talented enough. That's sort of been the bland uh, reaction as to why the Celtics are struggling against uh, good, bad teams and particularly bad teams at home. But as we know, that is not humanly possible to be that zoned in with that much stress on your body, with all that travel, et cetera, et cetera, to be wired in like rats on Ritalin day in and day out. I mean, goodness, average Americans can't do it every day when they will out of bed. They can't focus. This is an ADHD nation, for God's sakes. So it's forgivable when the Celtics are flat at home. But what I do want to see as part of the natural progression and one of those team improvements would be a little more mental toughness. Maybe some of those veteran guys not playing hero ball and sticking to the program and the philosophy in adverse situations as they do when things are going well. But that was that was awesome stuff by Brian. Blown away. Great insight. Great little tidbits. Very rare nowadays with the suits on TV. I've got to tell a little into that later in the show. But by God, watch one of those pregame shows. I know next week for the Patriots when I will be watching. And I, I actually, we got the good news. Ian Eagle, obviously a great guest of this show, will be the announcer for CBS when the Patriots play their divisional round game. So that's great to hear. But you watch, say, any of these token pregame shows and you hear just like, nonsense hours on end of oh the Patriots need to get Rob Gronkowski involved in the offense and it's just or the Patriots need to do a better job protecting Tom Brady and you just say wow I mean I can't believe they're getting paid and it's freaking hair pulling so your best bet really actually is do what I do is just avoid it but Scal obviously a fan favorite and now providing great work on road telecasts and pre and post game shows on Comcast Sports Net New England I know our local audience most likely avidly follows him. But to our worldwide audience, obviously our fans in Italy with the Celtics Nation Italia group, and we have a great listenership in countries like the Philippines, Australia. You can watch and listen to Scal on CSNE.com if you are not already. And he will be on tonight's game with Mike Gorman against the Memphis Grizzlies. And as we do every Sunday here on Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, we conduct a brief pregame segment. And right now... We will be speaking with Chris Wallace, General Manager and Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Memphis Grizzlies. Our interview with Chris is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 180,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. Audiobooks are great to listen to when you are driving, running errands, in the gym, or simply at home relaxing. For our audience members, Audible is offering a free 30-day trial. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics and browse over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It is that easy. One audiobook you should definitely consider is Rise of the Robots, Technology and the Threat of a Jobless Future by Martin Ford. I've read it. Love it. Suggest it to our audience. Get a free 30-day trial at audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Chris, once again, thank you so much for lending us your time here on Celtics Beat. Look forward to the game tonight in Memphis. So please do us all a great service and feel free to let us know how do the Boston Celtics exploit certain weaknesses and beat the Memphis Grizzlies tonight? 
Well, you know, I, I don't know if I have that recipe for the green uh, for when they come down here to Memphis uh, you know, for this game. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to get in any strategic tactical things other than to say that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with how the Celtics, I don't know what you call it, rebuilding or going to the next phase, whatever you call it, program has progressed, uh, you know, under Brad Stevens' coaching. Uh, you know, I think it's a team that's, very competitive in the here and now, and at the same time has you know a terrific future ahead of them. And in the NBA, it's very difficult to be able to win and be competitive again in the present time, and also not compromise your future and, and have an outstanding future. So the Celtics have achieved that very uh, difficult target to hit, and uh, that's a compliment to ownership and to Danny Ainge and Mike Zarin and those guys too in the front office. Got to ask you though about your Grizzlies. Some would say on the outside they've taken a step back this year, that they've always been sort of that dark horse Western Conference contender. They've mm-hmm. been in the Western Conference Finals, I believe, in 2013. That was the year, if I'm not uh, if I'm correct. But some would say that they've taken a step back. I confess to not mm-hmm. watching much of them so far. So do you want to give us sort of a little appraisal on where they're at uh, this weekend well, here in we, January? We don't have the... We, we, we're, we don't have as dotty a record at this point as we did last year. Part of that is the strength of schedule, which was about as difficult as there was in the league up until Christmas. Uh, you know, and also, you know, Golden State first separated themselves from the pack in the Western Conference, and at this point was just a little bit under the 50% mark of the season uh, in the books. You know, San Antonio has as well. So, you know, we're all chasing those teams, and in Oklahoma City when they're fully healthy and loaded uh, with Westbrook and Durant, they're right up there too. So those are three very difficult teams to chase. Uh, So I wouldn't rule us out and say that our status as a team that could make noise in the playoffs and be a threat has ended. We still have over 50% of the season to get things together. We've got a a player we hope to get back and Brandon Wright, who can bring some things uh, both offensively and defensively around the baskets. Uh, that that would be very helpful to us, and so I, I'm not willing to you know put a limit on what we can do at this point in the season. Uh, but it has been a season of, of starts and stops. You know, we win a couple games and then step back, and we've also had great difficulty when facing the elite teams in the league, uh, staying in the games, and the margin of victory uh, you know has been a little bit daunting for those teams at times. But I don't think that necessarily means anything more than one loss in the loss column, and I still have a great deal of optimism for how good we can be come April. Have there been any disappointments, though, so far this year? When you look at the Grizzlies, I know one name that, I mean, I know it's obviously the mainstream media talking and what name that's come up, but one name that has come up was Marcus Gasol, and once again, like I said, I confess not too much, too much to watching them, but I've looked sort of at the advanced numbers. Defensively, he's still a force, but offensively, he's not matching prior season production, is that just sort of too small of a sample size halfway through the season? Well, I mean, again, it, it, we're not fully you know, to the halfway mark yet. Mark has had some big-time offensive outings for us and has carried us through some victories. Um, but, we're all, but we're also in a transition too, Larry, where you know, we were a team that was dominated by Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph for a number of years and had arguably the best low-post tandem in the league. And we still can trot that out to great effect. I mean, Zach had 26 points and 18 rebounds against Portland uh, last week. Uh, but we're also, 
you know, feel the need to be able to play small ball, to diversify our attack. So we're trying to combine all those disparate elements into one offensive package, uh, and it's still a work in progress. You brought up a really good point there because I was actually just about ready to get to that regarding the size of the Grizzlies, and there might be possibly a change in philosophy. Is Memphis I wouldn't really... say necessarily so much a change in philosophy. It's just that you want to be able to attack teams not just with your primary plan A, but you love to have you know, plan Bs and plan Cs as well. Uh, you know, to use a football analogy, Bill, Bill Belichick says he wants to get the other team to play left-handed. You know, if they want, they, they get you to play left-handed, you want to have as strong a left hand as possible. And so you, you do have to have a variety of ways to uh, attack teams these days. If, it's, if, it's, if you're just going to pound the ball inside, you know, they can diminish that to a certain extent uh, with their schemes and personnel. So, you know, we, we want to be able to add more three-point shooting. We want to be able to get up and down. You know, we don't want to be totally uh, one-dimensional. So we've, we've you know, tried some different personnel groupings uh, and, and ability to, uh, to, you know, to have that kind of team. And it's still a work in progress offensively, although I do will say defensively the results have, have been very strong when we've gone small. It's funny that you did use that football analogy because, once again, I look at it from the very outsiders and the very bland vantage point. We're looking at the Grizzlies, and you use the Bill Belichick, play, get the other team to play left-handed. I've always had the perception that the Grizzlies use the Vince Lombardi method of, of basically saying, you know, it's our way or the highway. We're going to give you our best. And you always sort of have that vision of well, the Grizzlies I mean, it, throwing it, it, it down it wasn't, Again, it wasn't that you know, we philosophically said, hey, we, this is the way we want to play basketball. I think you have to be very realistic when when you – put a team together, and then a coach looks at what he has, say, what can we win with? And our, our main strength, obviously, was Marcus Hull and Zach Randolph for a number of years, and it still, it still is a, a very important part of what we do. Uh, so you know, why not go to that strength? Uh, but when you feature the inside game, you know, some, some opponents are easy to, to wield that, that bully stick with than others are. Because some teams will – you know, sag back in the lane and, uh, you know, double team and do a variety of different things and make it much more difficult for you to not only get the ball inside, but to have the space to operate. I mean, you can't, you know, be a low post scorer in a phone booth. You know, you need a little room to maneuver. So I would say it's an opposing team probably can be more successful, uh, if not completely stopping, but chipping away at an inside-oriented team as long as they have some size and length themselves. Then an outside shooting team, uh, is, 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 what are you going to do, pick them up 94 feet for 48 minutes uh, you know, and, and keep that team uh, at bay, like a, a team as proficient as Golden State is at the three-point line? That's tough to do. But you know, we've had our success against all the elite teams of the NBA and with all the great players over the last few years. So uh, I think uh, it would be short-sighted to count us out at this point. This is the Celtics Beat pregame show on CLNS Radio mm-hmm. with tonight's game against the Memphis Grizzlies with general manager Chris Wallace. Chris, last question before we get you out of here. Usually we ask our guests in the pregame show a nice little prediction for the game tonight. Of course, we're not going to ask you such prediction. But you mentioned the Celtics at the beginning and where they stand as a franchise. I don't know if you've seen them recently I'm curious to see where do you think they stand right now as a team because over the last few games, really the last week and a half, they have not been playing well whatsoever at all, and there's been all sorts well, of Well, I mean, we all know over 82 games, unless you're you know, one of the elite teams, you're going to have peaks and valleys. It's just impossible to sustain 
excellence and consistency over 82 games. But I think you have to look at the overall big picture. You'd have to say, going back a few years ago, when a decision was made to to, to trade you know, Paul Pierce and Kevin Durant, excuse me, Kevin Garnett, <laughs> and go into uh, go go into a new uh, era, so to speak. You, you, I think even the most ardent Celtics fan would say the team's probably ahead of schedule right now where they expected at that point. Um, so I wouldn't worry about short-term snippets uh, where the Celtics are. I think they've got a very intriguing group of young, ta- uh, young talent there. They've kept their assets. Some of these assets could be extremely strong down the road in terms of the high picks that they they may have. And then on top of this whole uh, – I think, you know, very winning and, and interesting mix of now and the future that, that Boston has at its disposal, you've got a great young up-and-coming coach who, if there are any questions about a coach coming in from college, could he master the pro game, could he get respect to pro players, could he just deal with a different nature of NBA basketball? Because so many of the big-name college coaches that came to the NBA in the past didn't experience the expected success. Uh, you know, Brad Stevens is a, is a real revelation and is, is going to be one of the best coaches in the league for years to come. So I look at where Boston is right now. Uh, there's a whole lot of teams in the league that would change trade their situation for the Celtics. Uh, again, not just Alba going forward. So I think you have a lot to get excited about in Boston. And you know, I always tune in to the broadcast and get a little snippet of, you know, Mike and, and, and Tommy. I love those guys. You know, when, when you, when you hear their voice, you think Celtics, you think parquet, you think shamrocks. You know I mean, it's just so synonymous with the franchise in the city that I, I just, I can't get enough of them. And, uh, you know, look forward to at least seeing Mike going down here and uh, hopefully be in contact with Tommy, one of dear friends of our family here in the future. And, of course, obviously, you think about that great 2002 season, Chris, of course, that you were leading. But uh, that's Chris Wallace, general manager of the Memphis Grizzlies. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on Celtics Beat once again, and good luck at the game tonight. Take care. I appreciate it, Larry. We appreciate it, too, Chris. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you joining us here very early on game day. As stated, enjoy the game tonight. Some interesting words there from an NBA GM himself. Few teams in the league would not trade their positions for the Celtics position. That's kind of a run little game there in itself. I wonder how I feel about that. That's Chris's words, not mine. Could be a topic for a whole other show. Will almost certainly be a topic in the Facebook group this week. Remember, facebook.com slash Celtics beat to join the discussion and to get details on winning free pairs of tickets to upcoming home Celtics games. Justin Poole and former Celtic Stuff Live host and host of last week's show, very active in said group. So how about this? I'll get, I'll get a kick started. Outside of San Antonio, the Warriors, and the Cavs, which situation would you trade the Celtics situation for? All sorts. Oklahoma City may sound obvious, but you have Durant and Westbrook's impending free agency. We could go on all day about this. Philadelphia, no way in hell, right? But anyways, you know, once again, we could go on all day. There it is. Facebook question of the day number two. Which situations, plural, if there is one, would you trade the Celtics for? Inside of the obvious, Golden State and San Antonio. Again, facebook.com slash Celtics beat. Very exciting thinking about such discourse on Facebook and on social media. I'll be there today, Sunday, in the Facebook group. 
I thoroughly enjoy such intelligent discourse, thoroughly enjoy it in all walks of life, not just sports, all sides of the spectrum. Me personally, controversial little way to take it. I think it's a little more productive than watching football. Again, you can have it your way, but I will not be watching football today. I will not be watching football. I'm looking forward to the Patriots next weekend. I want to see if they can bounce back after a rough second half of the season. But I just do not need all of this football. And even worse, to listen to those air balloons on the halftime show or whatnot. Wrote a column this past week on CLNSRadio.com. Yes, we're going to go here. Yes, this is Celtics beat. But few of you have been discussing with me in a Celtics social media group. So I'll give you my take. Give me my take in the column, which, again, it's still featured on CLNSRadio.com if you want to check it out. Listen, it's not about whether Peyton Manning used synthetic growth hormones. It's the corporate media's whitewashing of this topic and trying to deflect anything that is negative. And in this case, it is a drug accusation placed on Peyton Manning. The NFL's corporate outlets that have direct ties to the NFL is doing is appalling and may very well be criminal. You can make a case they are committing character assassination against Al Jazeera and its investigators in their deliberate attempts to malign the source so they can bury this story and protect and continue to inflate the NFL's biggest corporate pitch man so that way you or any one of these American dregs that park their ass on a couch for 10 to 14 hours every NFL Sunday and watch football in all of their commercials because we know that 60% of the NFL broadcasts are these goddamn advertisements. And yes, that yes man, he sells you every piece of crap that was forced upon us over the last 50 years that is doing nothing but slowly sucking away at humanity, be it crappy electronics, insurance, prescription drugs, pizza, all the junk food, all the crap. And millions and millions of people every friggin' Sunday expose themselves to that to hours on end. And by God, the NFL will do everything in its power to have those teleprompter readers fall right in line. It's just reprehensible to me and it's why i talk about this whenever i can because what we talk about is positive change in society of all these politicians they say oh my god we need change but very rarely do they enact it and by god we need it more than ever we wonder why we have the fattest sickest population more so than we ever had throughout the 250,000 years of humanity we wonder why healthcare costs as much as it does we wonder why they're able to sell those lethal prescription drugs when you're watching television. And, hey, keep eating Papa John's, Peyton, and you'll need more than HGH. I, I'm making a prediction right now. It seems inevitable that you're going to be seeing Peyton doing the Viagra commercials like three years from now, three or five years from now. I'll actually bet almost anything I own, you, you will see him going all Raphael Palmero and selling everybody now the Blue Diamond. I don't know. I sit here. I've never gotten as much as, as a sniffle in five years. I don't get sick. I say it all the time, guys. Eat certified organic single-ingredient foods. Amazing what that does. Amazing what it does when you eradicate the megacorporation crap. You do not need the exercise. Just start simply by removing chemicals from your body and give yourself the nutrients your body needs so you, your immune system can go to work and better fight off illnesses and diseases. Give your muscle cells amino acids and the highest quality protein so you can try to burn off all that excess body fat. AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, I tell you, I'm working on a feature right now speaking to all those who train with the legendary Vince Gironda, who had the most superior clientele of movie stars and bodybuilders. 
And they said that Vince told them point blank, certified organic grass-fed steak is essential to achieving peak physical fitness. Remember his famous steak and eggs diet. He likely had the best physique of all time eating that and working out like a half hour a day. That's it. Humanely raised steak is some of the most nutritionally dense food in the world. And if you're wondering where you can get this type of meat, where animals lived healthy lifestyles, ate their natural diets, were pasture raised, were cared for individually on small family farms, not industrial farm factories, I do suggest to log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. The meat is so fresh of the highest quality and delivered right to your door. And if you are looking for a New Year's resolution about getting healthy, blah, 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 don't waste your money on a gym membership if you think you can just run off all the fat by spending hours on a treadmill while you're still guzzling down sodas and Gatorades and plowing through all the cookies, the cakes, and the crackers. It's easy. AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. That would be my suggestion of where to invest towards your personal health wisely. You'll have a lot more energy. You'll be doing a lot more enjoyable things in life than watching football all day, be it today, next weekend. Again, one, one Patriots game, enough. But wow, boy, would I, did I really uh, go there? But I might as well just apologize right now. There are numerous rocks throughout this podcast at the media and to the audience who take the time to download this show every week for this purpose. I'm sorry, but you know, like I said, I find this important to be honest. Very emotionally charged show today. And this past week and a half in, in regards to Peyton Manning, I have just reached a boiling point when it comes to the media, which is supposed to be an essential part of having an operating republic and an informed citizenry. And we are at a very troublesome time here right now. But uh, So we'll see everybody next weekend. I want to thank our audience for tuning in once again and listening to me. Whether you agree with me or not, some people almost assuredly were rolling their eyes over the course of the last few minutes, maybe even the past hour. But, hey, that's just how I feel. I stand by it. And regardless whether you agree with me on Celtics takes, non-Celtics takes, you're always free to express whether here, Twitter, by email. Yes, I do let you reach out to my personal email. I take all lines, LarryRussell86 at gmail.com or on Twitter at CLNS underscore LHR. But to wrap this show up, we got to give some shout-outs to those who help make this happen every week. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock and Steph LeGrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. Also, Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Like to thank our guests, Brian Scalabrini of Comcast Sportsnet New England and Chris Wallace of the Memphis Grizzlies, as well as our sponsors, Audible, Casper, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I am Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.